This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. For more information, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. I want to welcome Wharton finance professor Franklin Allen, who is also a professor of finance and economics at Imperial College London, and he's also executive director of the Brevin Howard Center there. I want to discuss how the situation in China, particularly the devaluation, is affecting East and Southeast Asia today. Uh, we see the uncertainty in China is having widespread effects. Commodity prices are down, and countries that supply commodities and other goods to China, like Indonesia, are feeling the effects. Many Asian currencies are at multi-year lows against the dollar. The Malaysian ringgit, for example, is down 23% against the dollar this year. Other exporting countries are responding in kind, Taiwan, South Korea, Vietnam, Australia, by varying amounts, nearly across the board. Uh, for some, this brings back bad memories of the late 1990s Asian financial crisis. Now, uh, many of those countries have since then made important changes to guard against the kind of problems they had back then. More of them have floating currencies, larger foreign exchange reserves. They have better banking rules and, and new debt insurance still the pressure seem to be mounting, and there are worries out there. But I guess my question is, what are the risks of an intensifying currency war in Asia and or a real financial crisis in East and Southeast Asia? Well, I think, first of all, the devaluation itself, of course, wasn't very big. It was 3% or something. But it did have a big, a big trigger. And I, I think... That there is a, a sense that we don't really know what the exchange rate should be. The, the real issue is what what the, what are capital flows going to be like once they start reducing. Sorry, what capital flows are going to be like once they start reducing capital controls, and I think that's the big uncertainty. And uh, I, I think this move. The reason, one of the reasons it may have had so much impact is that people realize that they, they are serious about globalizing and, and becoming part of the global uh, financial system. Uh, the, the IMF has been asking them to, to move towards a free afloat. Many people have been asking the same thing. And this was a sign that they were going to do that. And that, that suggests that uh, over the next year or two or few years, they're going to really change the way they interact with the global economy. And I think it's worries about quite how that's going to play out that that helped trigger so many turmoil, so much of the turmoil that we saw. As you say, it's a very different situation than it was in, in the uh, mid to late 90s. And I, I don't know quite how things are going to go from here going forward. I think a lot depends on what happens with interest rates in the U.S. and not just in terms of whether it's now or three months from now or six months from now or whenever they start raising rates, but it's about how far is that process going to go, how much money is going to flow back from emerging economies into uh, the U.S. and if the Europeans eventually get through with their quantitative easing, how much will go back to Europe. These are all big uncertainties, and uh, that's why markets are so volatile, I think, at the moment. Uh, we just don't know 
how big these changes are going to be, whether it's just going to be 25 now, 25 six months from now, and then very, very slow, or, or, or quite how it's going to play out. And I think that's, that's why we've seen things develop in, in such a volatile way. The valuations by other Asian countries seem to be, I guess, a natural effect of what's happened in China. It's not just that they devalued by the 2 or 3%, as you mentioned, but also that their economy seems to be slowing so much that it's affecting uh, the amount of commodities and other inputs that they're sucking in from other countries. Uh, and so business is slowing in, in these uh, countries. But does it, I mean, does it have any uh, ring at all hearkening back to the late 1990s, which um, uh, after all, some of those countries, I, I think it was triggered by Thailand where they had a lot of debt in dollars and then there was a, 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 a devaluation that, that kind of set the whole thing off. Um, is is there, are, are the, any of those fragilities still around or is this just a sort of, nor, you know, relatively speaking, a normal adjustment process that's going on with these various devaluations? I don't think it's so much a, a normal devaluation. I think it's a whole range of things happening. But I and things could go badly wrong, but I don't think they'll go wrong in the same way that they went wrong before uh, in terms of um, the problems with too much dollar debt issued by corporations and governments in many of these Asian countries. So, But, but there are a lot of risks out there. I think we are into a, a different kind of world that China's slowing down, and many of these economies that were driven by China's voracious appetite for raw materials and agricultural products and so on, those things that are not going to grow in the same way that they have done. And money is going to go back to to the U.S. probably as, as interest rates there go up. All of these things are combining to, to cause the, the, these changes in exchange rates and so on. But I, I think we... We don't have a good sense exactly why, where the problems might be, but they, they may well be out there. I mean, I think as interest rates rise and valuations fall, that's always worrying for financial stability. But it depends very specifically on what banks hold and what the other financial institutions are doing and so on. And so there's a lot of uncertainty about that, I would say. For more business news and analysis from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu.